Hey Blenders, it's Sean, and we are here with a bonus episode for you guys. This is not a full episode. It's not going to get a number. It doesn't necessarily count toward the overall count of episodes. But we were lucky enough to sit down with director Robert Eggers, who is out promoting his new film, The Lighthouse. It is a crazy movie-going experience with a lot of different ways to interpret it. So when we had an opportunity to sit down and talk with him about this anticipated film, because it's opening in a lot of theaters near you, we wanted to jump on it. We were seeing on social media that a couple of you guys were checking out The Lighthouse over the weekend. So we didn't necessarily want to wait and post this in a full episode. We wanted to make it a, a bit of bonus content to deliver to the Blender family. So without further ado, here is our bonus episode with Robert Eggers, the director of The Lighthouse. All right, guys, it brings me great pleasure to introduce uh, Robert Eggers, who's joining the Real Blend podcast to promote his new film, The Lighthouse. It's making its way to theaters everywhere. Hi, Robert. How are you doing? Great, great. Just uh, in a fugue state, a press fugue state. <laughs> I'll try to hit you with things that you have not heard before. Um, I'm curious because after The Witch, almost instantly, the idea of a quote-unquote Robert Eggers film really intrigued a lot of people. Um, and it built up to momentum, you know, for this movie. As Lighthouse started coming up, everyone sort of said, I want to see what he's going to do as a follow-up. Um, but I think the movies that you make are really unlike most of what we see. So I'm just curious to go back and see what filmmakers kind of opened your eye to cinema. Who were the filmmakers who you made sure you saw their movies, you know, opening weekend in a theater? I mean, the filmmakers who inspired me the most, I never got an opportunity to see any of their movies opening weekend because they're all dead. Um, you know, growing up, obviously, like it, it, it was Star Wars and Spielberg and Disney that gets that got me excited about the idea of telling stories. But then, um, well, I guess David Lynch isn't dead, but, you know, you see uh, uh, a racer head at the bottom of a dusty shelf of the whatever section of the, of the video store in rural New Hampshire. And you understand, Oh, there's, you can do other things, uh, you know, cause I mean, I, I and I, I like, uh, I admire, uh, a lot of Tim Burton movies uh, f from the, the sort of first and middle part of his, his career more so, but, you know, he was before um, seeing real arts cinema, like the, the weirdest director on my, on my radar, you know? Um, uh, and, 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 and uh, even though I don't like the last act of Sleepy Hollow, I would love to just, live in that village. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing production. For sure. Yeah. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's Bergman, it's Dreyer, it's, um, it's, it's Tarkovsky, it's Murnau, it's, uh, Cassavetes, uh, Parajanov, uh, Kurosawa, um, uh, stuff like that. You know, you know, people who are, I mean, I look, if a Claire Denis movie comes out, I want to see that opening weekend, you know, mm. uh, uh, if, if, uh, if, when a Jennifer Kent movie comes out, I want to see that opening weekend. Uh, if, right, you know, right. if a Terrence Malick movie comes out, I want to see that opening weekend. If, um, a Michael Hanukkah movie comes out, I want to see that opening weekend. And, so, and now sometimes your films are playing alongside of them, which is fantastic. People go see uh, A Hidden Life and The Lighthouse in one double feature if they wanted to. 
That's wild. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, you know, the Lighthouse world premiered in Cannes. I managed to see it in Toronto. Uh, I saw The Witch up in Toronto, too. Um, you bring your films through the the fall, uh, the film festival circuit, not necessarily the fall film festival circuit, but just the film festival circuit in general. Talk to me a bit about just the process of bringing your movies through the film festival initially um, and how, you know, the the days that we see them, people might be seeing a lot of different films. Sometimes they're rushing to judgment and then hurrying off to another film. Um, you know, what 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 type of is that? What What is that scenario like in terms of getting really good feedback and, and trying to get an idea of how it plays with a crowd? Uh, I mean, you know, the, before the first screening of the witch and before the first screening of the lighthouse, I was quite terrified because you don't know how it's going to go. And I mean, really like, I actually was way more terrified about the lighthouse than the witch because I didn't have very high expectations for the witch. And so if people kind of like didn't hate it, I was quite, I was excited about that, that, uh, uh, but then the witch was shockingly to me, uh, successful and found an audience. So then, uh, you know, I'm nervous to have my wife who I uh, read the first 10 pages of something that I've written. Cause it's, it's scary to, to, to put yourself out there. Uh, but then there's all these expectations about the witch and, you know, people put money into and this movie is less commercial than the witch and costs more like, like there it's, you know, it's never, you know, a lot, it's, a, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, I'm not complaining about it. It's just the truth. It's sure. just the truth. Um, so, so yeah, but then it was it, it, because it was received fairly warmly. Uh, that was nice. And, uh, and it's fun. It's fun to go to film festivals. It's fun. Uh, but, but, but a little like it was more fun when I was making short movies that, that no one saw because I had time to watch other people's films but you know, when I go to a, when I go to a film festival, I'm just doing press, and then I don't get to see anything. And like, and uh, you know, Toronto was a little bit less disappointing to, to to miss stuff because pretty much everything in Toronto, like I can see it's anyway. But you know, when you're at Cannes, you want to like who's who's the next uh, Carlos Regattas? Who's the next? Bruno Dumont like where's their weird movie that might not get distribution in the United States and my only like chance to see it is it can like and and I and I didn't get to see anything like that which is a, is a real shame yeah whose review um either personal uh, or professional of the lighthouse uh, meant the most to you to to hear it or or to read it um i mean uh well, you know, a, a lighthouse keeper came to a screening in Halifax and, and I don't, I, you know, <laughs> directors, you, you know, you, you don't tend to want to have when, when it's an audience Q and a comments, you tend to want to have like actual questions, but, but, but sure. this lighthouse keeper <laughs> said, you know, <clears throat> I worked in a lighthouse before my lighthouse station uh, became automated and you guys really captured something real here. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Defoe was, was there for that. And we were like, yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Um, I think a lot of, uh, first time filmmakers, up and coming filmmakers, people who are trying to get into the business would automatically make the assumption that the witch and the success that it enjoyed opened up a lot of doors in terms of what you could do for your follow-up pre- uh, uh, project. And I'm curious if that's accurate. What is, what is the success? Um, like, like the film, like a film like the witch does, 
uh, open up a lot in, in terms of the next thing that you get to do? Does allow, do people come to you and say, we really want to be in business with you. What stories do you want to tell? Or is it still a fight each movie? Um, it's it, both. It's both. It's both things. Um, you know, it's like 10 minutes after I won the director award at Sundance, my, someone, someone was calling my agent about like trying to get me to do some big studio franchise thing which is insane. I mean, it just shows you how fickle and crazy the business is. They had never seen my movie. You know, I mean, they weren't, they weren't, it's not like they were offering me the job. It was like to begin a conversation, but you know, um, but yeah. And, 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 uh, so, so yeah. So, so, so there were people who were offering me stuff like that and things like that. And then I had the opportunity to, you know, work, develop, some of my own things that were bigger. Uh, and I choose, chose to do that rather than working on other people's IPs. Um, uh, I mean, I, I guess Nosferatu is someone else's IP, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, but, um, but, but, but those are struggles to get made. You know, uh, the lighthouse was strangely less of a struggle, um, because, uh, uh, a24 wanted to work with me again. RT features wanted to work with me again. We Regency been trying to find something. And so it was a, a good team of people, uh, to, to, to do this. I mean, but, but you know, uh, yeah. I know that our listeners are going to lose their minds over the look of the film. Um, and it's beyond just the four, three ratio, the decision to shoot black and white, um, just the gray. We talk about grain on our show <laughs> more than anything else um, and film stock versus, you know, digital. But I'd read you shot with lenses that were from 1918. Is that right? Yeah, I actually misspoke. I we, Our earliest lens was from 1905. Uh, uh, the DP's in the same room as me. He just said to me, was it, was it maybe even 1903? Um, uh, <laughs> uh, but um, but. There, our main set of lenses was designed in the in the 30s, and um, uh, so we we were you know the, the 1905 lens only, or 1903 lens only came out for lumberjack uh, uh, flashbacks, um, and, uh, yeah, and we we um, so respectfully we actually shot shot the movie in a, in a more narrow aspect ratio than. Then, then four three. We were shooting in one nineteen to one, which is like an early um, sound aspect ratio. Um, and it's too, you know, and so like okay, obviously on the surface that aspect ratio, the black and white, to like uh, a, an audience member who's not uh, familiar with film history, it, it's still just it just says old. It says old. You know, great. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. And but also it's. Uh, uh, you know, that aspect ratio is better for shooting vertical s- structures like uh, a lighthouse tower. It's better for communicating cramped interiors like the where they live. Uh, and it's better for shooting uh, close-ups of, of Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson's incredible faces. Why, why would you want a bunch of flab on, on the side? Uh, you know, it's, it's, there's no point to it. Um, and also right. because that we, we know we're, we're shooting with spherical lenses, the, the, the frame is actually taller than, uh, uh it appears like a box in a cinemascope, uh, screen, which is, as everyone's going to experience it, but we're using more of the negative. We're using more 
of the lens. So, so when we're so when we're shooting with these old lenses, we're using more. We have more of the lens characteristic uh, on screen. Um, and yeah, we shoot. We we shot. Uh, we tested a bunch of film stocks, but we shot on uh, Kodak Double X, which is a black and white film stock that hasn't changed since the the late fifties. And um, you know, the blacks sort of bottom out suddenly in a way that's very satisfying. It has. Uh, nice micro contrast and toothy grain, and it is kind of flat and, and primitive, and, and, and but in a way that helps the crusty, dusty, rusty, musty atmosphere of, of the movie and, and communicates the bleakness and, and austerity of their lifestyle and this island uh, much better than uh, you know if we'd shot digital with color. Uh, I mean, we couldn't have right, gone much more right, right. extreme in the other direction, but you know. I don't, the color didn't, didn't help us out. I mean, Robert Pattinson's been saying <clears throat> that, which, which, and he's got a point, you know, which is why I'm repeating it, uh, uh, that, that the, the interior of the keeper's cottage was kind of nice looking. Like if you, if you cleaned it up a bit, like you, you'd want to live there. It, it could, it could be a double RL, uh, photo shoot location and, and his, his, uh, his, um, his uh, olive uh, oil skin jacket, you could probably buy something like that at Filson, you know what I mean? So so having it be in black and white really communicates the 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 misery of the world. Did your leads get behind all the effort you put in to capture that look? Or to them, was it was it really just, you know, give the performance and then let you sort of manipulate that image or, or play around with it to find it in the lighting and and the and the capturing it through the lenses. Well, I mean, it's nothing they really need to concern themselves with. They're they're excited by it. I think that what was more their problem was that uh, uh, you know Jaron Blaschke, the DP, and I are like designing the movie before they arrive in Nova Scotia. So when we have rehearsals, it's not to find performances; it's for them to learn their their blocking uh, in relation to the camera, and that. You know, I think that there's um, f- they understood that that's the game they had to play to p- play in this movie. And and, and right. sometimes it's frustrating and sometimes it's helpful, uh, but it is it's just part of the parameters with with when with which they have to perform. Sure. Um, I've read your actors say that there isn't a lot of improvisation, that they stick really close to the There's script. There's no improvisation the in a Robert Eggers movie. Yes, exactly. Well, and you've said you don't shoot a lot of coverage, you know, that you get the footage that you essentially there is, I mean, there, there is no coverage. You know, the the only time there's coverage, I mean, it's never, I mean, first of all, it's never traditional coverage, like ever. The only time that it's like coverage is if it's like, you know, shot or first shot. You know, we cover both yeah. sides. But there's no like... You know, I mean, like the the wide shots of a scene are only as long as we know we're going to play in, in a wide. There's no like, you know, and, and and obviously you can see like that there is some long wonders in the movie and, and that. And, sure. and, and then and, but but I think we we also, you know, Spielberg, when he does his wonders, uh, like always make sure to have a little uh, insert that can like save the day. And we don't, we haven't done that. Maybe if we had like more time, we might try that, but we never have any time. So we couldn't. So, so basically, <laughs> uh, that means that like usually it works, but sometimes me and Jaron are painting me and Louise Ford, the editor, into a 
a, a corner in post. And we're like, how, how the right. hell are we ever going to dig ourselves out of this? Uh, but we figure it out. And that's fun, too. You know, that's fun, too, trying to f- solve that problem. Well, that's the question I was going to ask, too. Is there Was there ever a time on The Witch where you filmed what you wrote, but then you just kind of realized that it off the page, it didn't play the way you thought it might or it didn't work the way that you conceived it? And you kind of just realize you had to sort of – and how do you course correct if that's the case? I mean there's always uh, pickup shoots, uh, if you know, which we didn't have pickups on, on the lighthouse. We had like some additional seagull photography and some uh, addi- additional <laughs> white pines floating towards Robert Pattinson uh, photography. Um, but yeah, I mean you, you know, you can always reshoot something if you, if you have to. But I think – I mean, the, the, we had a Canadian hair in the witch that didn't work. And so we needed to recast and reshoot the hair with, with a, with a better, more trained hair. Uh, in, in that was from hair, hair, like, well, I'm sorry, a Canadian hair. What is that? It, well, H A R E. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and uh, I mean, the the breed wasn't from Canada, but the, the, it was a, but the, it was living in Canada, trained trained by a Canadian animal trainer. Uh, but we found a young woman who lived in Connecticut? Question mark Who had a a, a hair <laughs> named Dizzy? Who was uh, who she she uh, she had the hair under control? Um, okay. And but yeah, I think I mean hopefully in in the witch there was a couple scenes that we like reshot, uh, when we were there, like there was a, there was one scene, um, that I was shooting. I shot like really, 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 really quickly. Uh, like as in the pace was really quick. And when we saw the dailies realized like, Oh, like that's not how we should do this. We need to reshoot it again at a, at a slower tempo. Gotcha. But, but I, but, but, but with the lighthouse, like, you know, that wasn't happening and, and and we, we were more, planned and experienced a tighter unit like that um this is going to sound like a horribly goofy question um but one of my co-hosts would kill me if i didn't ask this he can't be here right now because he's doing junkets um how do you replicate the sound of farts on screen uh i mean th- you know how do you know we replicated the, the sound so far <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the right answer there you go <laughs> there you go um I have to ask about the ending, but I clearly won't ask any specifics. It's one of those films that it feels like every festival audience, every audience member coming out of the lighthouse is going to have their own translation of it. Uh, Are you hearing a lot of translations of it? Um, And do you have a clear cut answer to to what the ambiguous ending is? You need to have answers to all the questions to to write it. So my brother and I like did. Uh, But um, but we also designed it in a way that it would like ask questions rather than provide answers to use the old cliche. Um, and, um, you know, there were versions of the script that were too clear and we needed to find ways to create roadblocks and, and stumbling blocks for, uh, the audience and for Robert Pattinson's character. Um, but yeah, I mean, any interpretations fine with me. I haven't heard any wrong interpretations yet. I I think, (laughs) No such thing as a wrong interpretation, right? There might be, but I haven't heard one yet. <laughs> I, 
Well, I'll get you out of here on this last question then, Robert. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We That's really my, pl- it's my we, pleasure. We love the movie. It was a lot of fun. Um, thank you. Thank but, you. But, you know, your, your leading man, having worked with Robert now, is moving on to a huge franchise. Uh, what was your reaction when you found out he was going to, to wear the cape and cowl as Batman? I think it's great. I mean, um, you know, um, I think he'll do a good job. Um, uh, he'll, he's, he'll, he's making me buy a ticket to a, a comic book movie again. So uh, <laughs> good for him. Though hope maybe he'll invite me to a screening, <laughs> uh, but but I I think you know like the hope like the hope is that Rob after Batman will still want to do interesting work and and if and if Batman works out the way he hopes you know how cool would that be to have a a, a, a movie star who like really means something in the box office and is a, a fucking incredible actor. Uh, it could be very good for the 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 Eggers and the Safties of the world. Absolutely. So, like, yeah, you wear that cape, Rob. Have you seen Uncut Gems yet? Not yet. I haven't seen anything because uh, I'm doing this. I'm prepping my next movie, and I have a one year old. So. Oh gosh! Oh my gosh! I'm surprised I got you for 20 minutes. <laughs> Listen, I mean, there are a lot of stuff to go see, but go out of your way to see Uncut Gems. It is no, of course, I desperately want to see it. Yeah. Oh God, it's so good! All right, Robert, thank you again for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye. Thanks. Naturally, we want to thank A24 for setting up this interview with Robert Eggers. We want to tell everybody to go out and support The Lighthouse. It's, uh, again, one of the most interesting films that I've seen in theaters. It has two towering performances by both Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. And I know that you guys definitely appreciated all of his talk about uh, film stock aspect ratios and the way that he brought this film to life. Uh, Robert Eggers also directed The Witch. If you guys have not seen that, go check it out. They'd make a crazy double feature somewhere down the line. Uh, And again, thanks to Robert Eggers for coming on Real Blend. Uh, Check us out. We'll be back with episode number 90 later on this week, uh, where we're diving into Terminator Dark Fate, some Irishman talk, and a lot of questions about the future of Star Wars. So be sure to join us then when I'll be joined by Kevin and Jake and Gabe. See you guys then. Dunkirk? This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.